All right, New Philly. Once again, uh, our leaders are coming back from our leadership retreat. Uh, even our Busan leaders from all the way down at our seaside church plant, they came up for the retreat, and we had an amazing time. Um, and today we have one of the retreat guest speakers that will be ministering to us here at Sunday service. His name is Rodney Henderson. Uh, he used to be formerly responsible for the director of international ministries, where he was uh, pioneering five international communities and in spreading the IHOP message to the nations. He's also served as the vice president of IHOP U. And uh, currently, he's just uh, going out to all the nations. He just came back from Brazil. And actually, we have a worship leader from a House of Prayer in Brazil, Victor. He's also joining us for worship today. He was with us throughout the leadership retreat. And uh, Ronnie has been just traveling to the nations. And one place he loves to come is right here to Korea. This is like his 12th time to Korea in like five years or four years or something like that. So uh, he, he loves Korea. He's got a big heart. And uh, he'll be ministering to us today. So open up your hearts. And let's put together our hands and welcome up Ronnie Henderson. Amen. Oh, I'm so excited about being with you. We had a blast this weekend. Who was not there this weekend? Okay, if you were not there, stand up. Okay. I, I, come on, stand up. Okay, I want you to I, I want the I want the rest of you to turn around. Hold your hands out like this. The Lord wants to give you something. Let's pray for him. Come, Lord. Come upon these that we're busy doing other things. Lord, we ask God for the fire of God to come in the name of Jesus. Come, Lord. Come upon these, these that you love. Come in power. Touch them, Lord Jesus. Show them your heart. For them in this hour, in this hour, touch, touch them, Lord, bring peace over them in this hour. And I pray that everything everybody else received in the place of the community, that these that were not in the midst would receive in abundance. We just what what Lord you gave to us, we give to them in Jesus name. Amen. Now, this is like the third time I've been here. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, it's two and a half years ago that I was actually connected with uh, Christian and Aaron. And, uh, and I fell in love with these guys as well as you guys. And, uh, and so I, I've really been able to, to come in and sometimes I would just come in and have dinner with these guys. They've been at our house. And, uh, and, you know, I just, I've been to weddings. Now I've been to children dedications. 
oh, I feel, I feel like a papa here. And, uh, and you know, I, as I say that, in all sincerity, you know, I feel that the papa, the papa, is very proud of you. I, wanna, I really want to encourage you. I believe it's the word of the Lord. That Papa God, that your father, is very, very proud of you. He knows everything. He knows every part of you. And I just, I want you to know. I want to encourage you. You know, I've seen some come and some go. But I've seen you glow in Jesus. And you know, he's, there's something going on. And, and just like what Pastor was saying, there's a shifting in gears. Things are changing. You, 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 you're in a new season. And, uh, and you know, but I, I want you to, as you enter into this new season, the Lord's eyes are upon you. And I want you to know, I know, I just know this. He's proud. Of each and every one of you. Whether you're in the workplace. Whether you're in school. Whether you're. Uh, you know, whatever you're doing. Whether it's ministry. Uh, I, I've heard many things. That many of you do. But I want you to know. He's proud of you. Just receive that. Can I just pray. A father's blessing over you. Can I just do that. Because I just know his heart. So, Father, in your name, in the name of Jesus, I just release a Father's blessing over each and every one of these that you're so proud of. And, Lord, I just ask, God, that you would just break through every barrier, that you, Lord, would be Lord of every area. God, I asked that the blessings of the very Father in heaven be poured out upon this congregation and each individual. And Lord, may they each have a true revelation of your love for them. Lord, may their eyes be open and be able to behold your goodness and your grace forevermore. Would you break in? Even today, even this morning. Would you just begin even now releasing touches, kisses from, from the very throne room? Would you touch your children? Come, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, this morning, you know, I, 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 uh, I want to jump into teaching. And I want to tell you what my objective in teaching the message I'm teaching this morning. It's twofold. I'm going to really push the, in the area of fear. Faith versus fear. And as we talk about faith versus fear, I, I just want to give you some tools to put in your tool chest that will allow you, 
whenever you face the different fears in your life, that you say, oh, oh, I remember what Papa Rodney said. Okay? And so you'll open your Bible to that location, and you say, I got it. I know how to deal with this. And we no longer accept the fears that the enemy tries to place upon us, but we'll turn in faith and we'll come to Jesus with confidence that He loves us, that He hears us, and He wants to answer us. That's my objective this morning. And then, I believe that there is certain levels of fear that, that's just indwelling in many of us. That it's just hanging on there. And, and every night, even in the night hour, that, that we have fear. And you say, I just want to get rid of that. i got good news. That today, I believe that the Father God wants to break the power of fear and bring freedom in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Now, I do want you to, I want you to take some notes. I really rather you just take some notes in your Bible. I want you to open your word. In some different areas as we kind of lay foundations. Because I really believe if you look at this passage, the, the, the scriptures I'm going to share this morning, you'll have this. You, you'll highlight it. You'll say, I know where this is. When you're helping somebody deal with fear, you say, I know we're going to go to Luke 12. And we're going to deal with the fear that you have. Because it tells the truth about how he cares. How he looks at things. And his viewpoint is a whole lot better viewpoint than our viewpoint. It's the truth. And the word of God says that the truth sets us free. Now, as we begin, I just want you to know, there really is a battle going on between faith and fear. They're two opposites. If if the enemy can get you, get you to fear, you'll lose faith. You'll stand back. You remember Timothy. I love this scripture. It's in the book of Timothy. The apostle Paul, he, was, he had anointed Timothy, laid hands on him, imparted spiritual gifts to Timothy, and sent him out to pastor a church. Something took place. And he writes the one of the epistles in Timothy. He says, Timothy, remember what you've been called into. Remember the gifts that's been given unto you. God didn't give you, Timothy, a spirit of fear or intimidation. But he gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Are you with me? He didn't give you that. He didn't give you the fear. It didn't come from God. The fear that you're dealing with, it's not of the Father. Because God gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Oh man, I, I, I have ministered so many times using that. That, that one scripture, I, I've had so many time people in the place of ministry said, Listen, God didn't give you this. It's not Him. Break the power. God gave you this. He says He gave you this. 
Receive this. Remember who you are. In Luke 18. I love the story in Luke 18. And I, I tell it so often, just this story. And I found, just in a place of missions for you guys, because you could do a lot of missions, learn the stories of Jesus. This is just kind of a side note. Learn the stories of Jesus. I've been in so many places in the world that they, they just can't read. Their, their level of reading, they just don't, not able, they're not able to do this. But the stories of Jesus that Jesus told has power upon them. Learn the stories. Help people enter into the stories. Now, here in this story, I love this story. But it was Jesus sitting around, a, uh, I think he's sitting around a campfire. Uh, they probably just got through eating fish. And, uh, and uh, maybe he had kimchi at it. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a great meal. But then Peter, I mean, then, then Jesus said, hey, guys, come over here. I want to tell you a story that will help you in the hour to pray, to always pray and not lose heart. So I can see the guys, they gather around. And he said, There's, let me tell you, there was this lady. She was a widow. She had lost her husband. And she had many issues going on in her life. There was much injustice that was taking place. But this widow, she was a, she was a, she was a strong-headed lady. And, but she had issues, and she took her issues. You know, she lost her husband. She didn't have nobody to go before the judge. So she went before the judge herself. And the judge, she said, she appealed to the judge, and the judge says, leave me alone. I don't want to hear you. I don't care about you. Just get out of my sight. And she said, no, I'm coming. I'm going to come, and I won't answer, so I won't just resolve. And, and, and he said, no, get out of my way. And I just wanted you to know, I'm convinced, I know already, this was a Korean woman. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I told this story in one church in this city, and the pastor came over to me afterwards, and he said, we call that woman Ajima. <laughs> and so this Ajima had came before this unjust judge demanding justice. And he wouldn't give it to her. And she says, I'm going to get it. You're going to give me my way. I'm going to have justice. She keeps coming. She keeps contending. I mean, when she walks out of the Korean restaurant with his wife, the Ajima is standing there. Give me justice. When he walks out of the courthouse after a hard day's day of work, she's standing there. She says, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to get justice. And she's fighting. And finally, he gives up. He says, okay, I give you justice. Not because I care. Just because you're tiring me out. You're giving me headaches. Come on, woman. And so he gives her justice. He releases justice. And then the, then the Lord says to his disciples, he said, hear what the unjust judge says. 
how much more will the God of justice bring justice into a situation when his people call out to him day and night, day, uh, night and day? How much more will he, he do it? He says, I tell you the truth. He will bring justice and he will bring it quickly. It's a reference to us being in the place of continual prayer, calling out to a just judge, and he will bring justice. I tell you, he will, and he'll do it quickly. He hears the prayers of his children. But then the final verse is Luke 18, verse 8. And it seems to be out of place here in the Scripture. And he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? How does that fit with that story? It just doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, I am convinced that he is looking throughout history, 2,000 years ahead to you and I. Toward the end of time. And he says, in that hour, will my people have faith? Will they have the faith of this Ajima to contend night and day and to go after God with everything in them? Will they have faith? Will their faith arise and may be maintained? Or will they shrink back, lose faith, go off course and no longer be seen and miss God? He said, will that happen? Now, he's basically saying when he asked the question, it could happen. But he's telling the story because he doesn't want it to happen. He wants his people to have faith and to step in and to press forward. What is faith? Faith, if you look at Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 says that faith is believing that Jesus is... Or that God is, number one, that God is, I always say, faith is believing that God is a big God. That our God is bigger than all your circumstances. That our God is a big God. Do you believe that? Are there anything going on with you that our God cannot deal with? I was in a service Probably about 12 years ago. It was kind of quiet like it is in here right now. And, uh, and all of a sudden, a, a man stands up. It was a revival service. It was one of the major revival services happening in the early 90s. And this man stands up. And he says, Big God! <laughs> and everybody kind of looked around. Like, what was that? And then he stands up again. Big God! He sits down. Afterwards, a lot of us ask, what was that? What was going on? He said, I don't know. He said, I got a revelation that God's a big God. (laughs) You and I need a revelation that our God is a big God. So often we shrink back from the ability of understanding how big of a God He is. But I'm telling you this morning that our God is a big God. And for us to have faith, we must believe that He's a big God. The second thing about faith is this. 
is believing that he's a rewarder of those who call upon him. All this is 11, chapter 11 in Hebrews, chapter 11, 5 and 6. What does that mean? He's a rewarder. It means we must believe he answers prayers. That he answers us when we call upon him. Now, this is faith. He's a big God. He's able to deal with all the issues. But he also loves to answer us when we call upon him. Do you believe that? I'm not sure you do. I heard some just some doubts in there. But I'm here to tell you that God loves to answer you. He loves to demonstrate who he is and give good gifts to his children. Now, that's faith. That's part of the battle. But what comes against faith is this thing called fear. And this is what I want to really go after this morning. I believe that you have faith. It's kind of mingled. All of us have mingled inside of us unbelief. Okay? And we need to keep taking our unbelief to God. But what tries to clip our faith and stop our faith is the place of fear. Now, turn with me to, to turn with me to Luke 12. Now, that was Luke 18, the story of the Ajima. Go back to Luke 12. Now, this whole chapter is dealing with fear. Just turn there. You need, to, you need to put it on your iPad. You need to open your Bible. This is what you need to look to whenever you really you, you get in that place and, and the enemy's trying to steal your, your faith. And you said, no, no, no. I remember what Papa Rodney said. I had to go there. Okay? Now, there, in this chapter 12, the whole book, Jesus... Now, before I even go there, listen, Jesus is taking us all on a journey. He was taking his disciples on a journey. He was trying to implement faith during the whole time, the three years that he was with his disciples. I mean, how he did it, he basically came in, he brought them in, brought his disciples unto him. He taught them. Okay? He taught them. Then he showed them how to do it. Then he said, go do it. If you can see the trend throughout all the Gospels, that's how it went. He was trying to build this faith. He said, come here, I'm going to tell you about how to heal people. He said, watch this. Wow. You're healed. He said, now go do it. He wanted them to be a people of faith, of fullness. And, and, and he wanted to birth the church through these 12 disciples. But he couldn't do it without faith. And he wanted them to be able to stand. When he departed, he didn't want them to shrink back in fear, but to launch out in faith. Here in Luke 12, he deals with the fear. He deals with four fears. We're going to look at four fears, but one in particular area we want to look at. First fear is the fear of death. Okay, how many, how many battles with that? Fear of death. All right, you don't care. You'd rather be with Jesus. Fear of public. Number two is fear of public disapproval. Third is a fear of provisions. Fourth is a fear 
that God, that the Father, doesn't want to do good unto us. Let me say those four things again. Fear of death. Fear of public disapproval. Or you might say fear of man. I'm telling you, fear of man runs rapidly through Korea. Fear of lack of provisions. Fear of not having enough finances. Fear that, then the fourth one is fear that God doesn't want to do good to us. Now, look at verse 4. And we're just going to read this thing, okay? This is a fear of death. This is what Jesus, the author of faith, says, okay? Luke 12, verse 4. Is everybody there? I want you got to see this. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he is, who has killed has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear God. Are you are not look at verse six are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten by God. Why? Even the, the hairs of your heads are numbered. Fear not. You are more valuable than any sparrow. There's no need. He said, there's no need to fear man. But this is, there, there's or no need to fear death. He's got, he's got everything in his hands. But we ought to come into this place of confrontation with fear. The fear of death. I, I remember uh, three and a half years ago, my son, Sean, and I was arrested in China. I've shared a little bit of this in here. We were both arrested in China. And I was so proud of him, how he responded. And we had an angry police officer blowing smoke, spitting and cursing. It was a hundred Chinese police officers. And we were, we were in the mainland China. I, could not, I didn't even know where to run. And uh, I mean, there was no place to run. I could, there was no, nowhere to go. And I'm sitting there. I said, oh, God, what is going on? And they, they took my son to the place of interrogation first. And, uh, and I mean, they, they, we, I had a team. Honestly, I had a team of myself and Sean. We were the only two Anglos. And I had 40 Koreans with me. I love Koreans. You want Koreans on your team. I had a few Ajumas. I mean, it was really good, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but they went after Sean and I. Now, Sean at that time was about 17, 18 years old. And this angry police officer gets in his face. And he's asking him questions. And he looks at him and he says, where are you from? And Sean looks up at him. And, he, and I'm sitting back there, oh, God, what's going on? And, and Sean, he says, I'm an American. And that guy says, of course you are. And then he asked the question. He says, young man, what religion are you? Sean says, well, I'm a Christian. I belong to Jesus. 
And I'm going, oh, I'm sitting back as a papa. I'm saying, oh, that's my son. This is so cool. I mean, you, so fun being arrested in China. The next day, we're in the processing area of the jail. And, uh, and Sean looks up at me and he says, Dad, you remember yesterday when that guy was in my face? I said, yeah, yeah, I remember that. He said, Dad, that was the first time in my life that my profession of my faith meant anything. He said, you know, in America, I can tell everybody that I'm a Christian. He said, but I didn't know what that dude was going to do. Listen, there's nothing to fear. When we express our faith, Father, he says, when you've professed me, I will profess you before the Father. I mean, Jesus was as happy as I was. He was saying, Papa, did you see Sean? Listen, there's no need to fear death. He's got everything under control. The second type of fear we need to deal with is a fear of lack of provisions. This is physical needs, necessities, or basic needs. Uh, they won't be met. How many has had fear when your paycheck comes in and He's, it's not going to make it. It's not going to happen. What a wimpy paycheck. Come on. You, 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 is the power going to be cut off? You know, am I going to be kicked out of my house? You know, all these things. But look at what Jesus says here in Luke 12. Therefore, I tell you. This is chapter 12, verse 22. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you put on. There's your clothes, okay? For life is more than food and, and body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God, He feeds them. Come on. Oh, how much more value are you than the birds of the air? And which of you, by being anxious or worried... Or fearful can add a single hour to your life. If you're able, if you're not able to do as small a thing as this, why are you anxious about the rest? Just consider the lilies. How they grow. They, they neither toil nor they spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as beautiful as they were. But if God clothed the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will He clothe you? Oh, you, you have little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, fearful or anxious. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father, your Father, He knows you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Wow. Now, fear of provisions. You know, I have to tell you, 
This has been an ongoing battle in my own personal life. God has called my wife and I to live by faith. Just to step out, trust the Lord, and, and to live. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we started this when we left the business world. About, 50, about 20 years ago, we were in a Fortune 500 company. I'd been there 10 years in middle management. And I remember the Lord, uh, he, was, he called me out to go to seminary. And I knew that was the Lord, but in, in, I began making provisions while I'm in my business position by establishing a business that I would run in seminary. I had a, it all down. I mean, I was a good businessman, and I had all my provisions, this business. It was going to happen. It was going to work. We're going to have a lot of money while I'm in seminary. This is going to be great. I get to study God's Word. Oh, I was so excited. And I get to seminary. And, uh, and, and I had enough provisions put back where I, it was like I didn't have to work for the first month. I said, I'll take it easy, get adapted to the situation, and then I'll jump in. Oh, when I started to jump in, I hear the voice of God. He said, don't do that. I said, what? <laughs> he said, I will take care of your family. I said, no, thank you. I can take care of my own family. And I, I said, and he said, no, I will take care of you, Rodney. And I, you need to allow me to do this because I have much to show you. I said, but Lord, I'd rather work. I'd rather do this. I mean, I was, it was I mean, honestly, it was a real battle going on. Me. I've never not worked. And after about, I mean, honestly, it took me about two weeks for me to battle with God and come to the place to let God take care of us. And for the next three years, I watched as God provided supernaturally for my family. I mean, I honestly left one of the best seminaries in America, one of the highly cost seminaries, totally debt free after three years and launched into full time ministry. God's good. He really is. At the end of that, he said to me, this, he said this, he said, Rodney, he said, one of the things, one of the reasons I've made you go through this is that your faith needs to abound. He said, but you also know, need to know that men will try to come against you and try to use money to twist the situations. And he said, you know now that I'm your provider. And I said, well, man wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I literally, it took very, a very short period of time for a man in our congregation tried to use money to get his way and twist the situation. And I kind of laughed. I said, I see him now, God. And, uh, and I looked at this man. And I said, listen, I love you. I said, but I don't need your money. And I said, God is my provider of everything. And for the next many, several years, I walked by faith. I thought I passed the test. You never pass this test. You, you just don't pass this test. I mean, you, you may pass the test, but then there are always, you know, it's kind of like in, in college. You have 101, 201, 301. And so I passed 101 faith. And I thought I'd already graduated. 
201 came. I said, Lord! 301 came. Oh! I'm still, I'm in 401. But we've watched, Belinda and I have built a history with God in faith, knowing that God will be, will be, take care of all our needs. I promise you. We're, we did spend 10 years in a church that, that, that we had salary, but now, you know, it's been really crazy. For the past uh, three years, well, actually for the past eight years at IHOP, we've trusted God for everything. And, uh, and uh, it, it has been such a ride to watch everything. But it's such a story of faith to tell. I mean, I got stories. I could stay here all day and tell you stories of how Jesus has made provision. I'm telling you, he, we need to know that he's our provider. Even in the midst of hard times, when everybody else, they're saying, well, the, our, we lost our jobs. So you don't have no problem. Come over to my house and eat. So, well, how are you getting money? Oh, God. You know, you, you need to move into the place of provisions. You need to allow God to furnish provisions in your house because you're never guaranteed a job. You don't necessarily need to trust in your ability for provisions. You need to trust in God. And you need to know He's good. This past week, or right before I left, I mean, I had to I confess to you, we were... Even on this journey, it was such a tough time in trying to get... Right before we left, uh, we had some different things happen. Uh, we were uh, uh, behind in some different issues in different areas. And, uh, and I didn't want to leave. I said, oh, how can I leave and go to Korea, leave Belinda? And there's very little uh, provisions in the house. There were other stuff that was taking place. And I... I, I just I, I, I just moped around the day before I left. And I said, I just don't want to go. I mean, this is just crazy. I can't believe it's like this. And, uh, and but the Lord says, no, you go. You go and watch me. The night I was to leave, the Lord breaks in. Not necessarily in the provision, but he breaks in upon Belinda on her heart. And I want, I want to read you this text message. Yeah, it blowed me away. I was sitting in the San Francisco airport just crying. Oh, it was so crazy. I mean, we, we were in such a, I mean, it was really just a tough season. And, uh, and uh, so I'm sitting, she just awoke in Kansas City. I'm in San Francisco airport. She writes, sweetheart. I don't like that. <laughs> she says, she says, I love you. Don't let your heart be heavy. I woke up with an appointment with God, and he's stirring my heart. I know his mercy is to draw us and not hurt us. Please allow him to take care of us. And you go preach with passion like never before. And let, this, let his word flow through you and soak you like a sponge. It is a new beginning and I will run with you. So let your heart be filled with all my love. Take care, my beloved. And stand together. And we will stand together that our whole family will live and serve God all our lives.
Hey, guys, you, this is, you need to find a woman like I got. Whoa! And ladies, you need to take some, you know, she's awesome! I'm in, the, I'm, in the, I'm in the San Francisco airport coming this way. And I'm kind of walking through there. And I looked at this. Uh, <laughs> I've been jumping for joy, full of faith. Wow. You know, that's a fear. In the midst of fear of lack of provision, we have to have sustaining faith. Then there's that place of public disapproval. Not having the right things to say or the right ways to do things. But Jesus answers that in verse 11. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. He said, well, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you in that very hour you ought to say. You know, I, that trip in China when we were arrested... They took me in a final level, uh, one of the, they took four of us in a high level of interrogation. And they were just trying to intimidate us and, and put fear upon us. And uh, I'm sitting there around this table. And this angry officer, I mean, he was spinning intentionally in my face, blowing smoke. And I'm sitting there just going, oh, yes, Lord, can you help me? Can you help me, Lord? And, uh, and, you know, he, this officer began asking questions. And, uh, I mean, they were stupid questions. And, uh, I mean, he was saying, who connected you? How did this, how did you get here? I said, well, that guy right over there. We'd already ta- talked about how we would answer. I said, this guy over here. And he said, yeah, yeah, how did you get in touch with him? I said, well, this, this lady uh, we work at, she connected us. He said, well, what's her name? I said, I don't know. I really didn't know. I was telling the truth. And she, he said, well, how did you get in touch with her? And for the next hour and a half, that was the question. I mean, this guy was so intimidated. And then I remembered in our conversation. Remember, we had a lot of Koreans with us. And I remembered that, this, that, that we had made jokes that most of Koreans are Kims. And I said, okay, I give up. It was Mrs. Kim. (laughs) This guy, he literally, he takes the bait. He literally writes Mrs. Kim. And and that was it. If I had thought about it an hour earlier, it had been great. (laughs) The crazy thing, this lady comes back to IHOP about about three months later. I see her. I run up to her and I said, listen, you got me in a lot of trouble. I said, what is your name? She said, it's Pastor Kim. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I had the odds were on my favor. <laughs> but after, after that portion, this guy still had this place of intimidation. I'm sitting there, and then I began noticing him trembling. And I said, Lord, what is he trembling about? I'm the one in jail. I said, what is he trembling about? And the Lord gives me a scripture. It's out of 1 John chapter 2. 
And he says this. He says, the end of all things is near. The Antichrist, he, he's on his way. The big Antichrist is on his way. And you can know this because the small one is already in your midst. I said, oh, that's cool. That means Jesus is inside of me. This Antichrist spirit is upon this guy. And I have authority over him. He's trembling because Jesus is inside of me. And I began pushing his buttons in. I said, listen, I said, when this is over, can you and I have a cup of coffee? He said, what? What do you want? He said, do you want to convert me, Rodney? I said, well, that would be nice, but then you try to arrest me again. And I, I began asking for his email. I began pushing his buttons. This guy just, be, he didn't like me. I kept trying to buddy up to him and try to talk to him and try to see what was on his heart. But he just didn't like me. And but for the, but we became friends, not friends. We became <laughs> Antichrist Jesus. <laughs> and uh, but we did that for probably uh, for uh, 24 hours. And we, I began, I got a prayer call. I got a call out to my wife. She contacts the leadership at IHOP. Prayer breaks in on the scene in China. I walk into the streets in the place of being interrogated. Spirit of the Lord lifts me up in the air. I'm going, oh my goodness. What is this? I looked at my watch. It was the beginning of a prayer meeting in Kansas City. I go in with confidence into the place of being processed. I walk in. My whole team, all, the, all my Koreans and, and Sean, we're, they're all getting their pictures made. Get, they're combing their hair. You all saw Sean. Sean was so cool. He said, over here, he said, I got to make sure that my first mug shot is right. <laughs> that whole team had confidence in Jesus. That everything was good. They were having so much fun with smiles upon their face. I mean, it was really crazy. And um, as soon as they made pictures, they lost our pictures. All the pictures. They had to go back a second time to get their pictures made. The second time, it was more fun than the first time. And, uh, and, and then as we went into the computer room to have all the processing, they was going to process our paperwork to kick us out of the country. And uh, as they're processing us, the computer system shut totally down. And then I'm standing over there just kind of laughing. And then the lights, and I kid you not, I'm not kidding at all. The lights in the place began doing a wave. And it just wouldn't stop. A wave. It was just like the Holy Spirit was just waving. I looked over at this angry officer. I said, hey. I said, is this normal for you guys? And he, he, looked, he shouts across the room at me. He says, no, Rodney, you're my problem. You're my problem. Listen. <laughs> God is on his throne. And, you know, when we follow his leadership by faith, this thing can get fun. But we need to walk by faith and not fear. If our whole, our, they, our whole team moved out of fear into faith, and, man, it became great. Now, I want to move down to the final one. How much time? It's 45. Okay, gotcha. Now... This whole chapter is about fear 
and how to overcome fear. But Jesus really wants us, and He really wants us to overcome it. But in Luke 12, verse 32, if you don't get anything else I said today, I want you to get Luke 12, verse 32. I want you to turn there, uh, or, or I'll read it slow enough for you to write it down. Turn your recorders on just to read this verse that you might remember it. But Luke 12, 32, he addresses the fear that is greater than all other fear. Right here, he's addressing the fear that's greater than all other fear. Luke 12, 32. He says, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, what fear is this? What fear is he dealing with right here? This is the fear that God doesn't want to do good to us. That God doesn't want to do good to us. It's all it's in all of us. We say, well, I know he'll love Pastor Christian and Aaron, but I don't think he wants to do good to me. It's all in all of us. And he's addressing it. Those who think, he's addressing those who think that God is out of character when he does good things. You know, people are prone to think that God at the very root of his nature and his character is angry. That he wants to release judgment upon us. I I bet, I know here you probably don't even think that. But when you were coming up to the place of where you're at in faith now, you feared God because you thought he wanted to release judgment. Oh, he's going to, he's going to kill me. And you feared him because of judgment. They believe God is an evil stepmother who wants to find all the things wrong that they do in life and punish them, put them in prison because of what they've done wrong. Or maybe that God's a mean army commander and he will do evil to get us all to do good. Some of you have thought all these things, right? Come on, shake your head. I know how we are as human nature. It's our human nature. And Jesus knew that. And if, you know, but God, this is not how he is. But the reality is God is a good God. And he wants to lavish good things upon his children. In Matthew, we see Jesus come riding in to the city on a donkey. And many people, he came in the spirit of humility, desiring to serve and to help us to overcome things, right? He did not come in with intentions or with a heart of destruction. Now, yes, destruction will come if we fail to turn our hearts to Jesus. We have to turn in the place of repentance and come to him. But he's made a way for us. That we might turn from our destructive ways and our destructive patterns. And he's given us the privilege of belonging to him. Yet many think he came camouflaged that day on that donkey. And he arrived in Jerusalem as a Rambo trying to take out everything. I mean, they had a a wrong understanding or, or concept of who God really is. And God wants you to know this morning in this scripture... That he's a good father. And he has good intentions. 
And he takes pleasure over each and every one of us. You know, God's not an angry God. He's not an angry God towards you. He's not mostly angry. You know, sometimes he, he gets upset. Sometimes he brings us into the place of, of discipline, right? We have to go through discipline. You know, I remember growing my children as they were growing up. You know, I had this thing. I said, now listen, we're not going to be like Eli and his sons. And he said, when you guys do wrong, I'm not sparing the rod. They knew that there was much grace in my heart. But they also knew that I would actually have to deal with the issue. I remember one day, Seth. Now, don't tell Seth I told him. <laughs> Seth was about nine years old. And we were in seminary, and I, I won't never forget it. I actually, uh, he had done something. I think he had actually went out to the railroad tracks behind their house. And he put a, put a, a nickel or a quarter on the railroad tracks. I didn't care about the quarter, but I did care he got that close to the tracks. And he got, he got too close to the tracks. And, and he comes in and he said, look at this quarter. I said, where were you? He said, well, Daddy, uh, 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 I was out at the tracks. I said, you're out at the tracks. You, you know that that's not cool. You know that I'll have to punish you for that. And he says, oh. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, come on, we're going to our bedroom. And, uh, and uh, so, so I grabbed him. I had to really pull him up. He was just holding back, resisting. And I, I get him upstairs to the bedroom. And uh, I take my belt off. And, uh, and, and he looks at me like, ah! just totally in a place of freaking. I've never hurt the kid in my life. But he was, <laughs> but he was freaking out on me. And, uh, but I'm standing there just totally full of just passion for him. And, uh, and, he, and I had taken my belt off and I looked at Seth and I said, here you go. I gave the belt. I literally pulled down my pants and I laid on the bed and I said, now I'm taking your punishment. I said, punishment has to be served, but I'm taking it. And he look, he he, he kind of grins. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he takes the belt and he goes, I said, no, 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 no. Hard. I said, this, your life is so precious to me. And I, because you've disobeyed and gone close to the tracks and you could have been entered into the place of harm. I said, this deserves much punishment. I said, hard. Seth rares back with a, with a, a, whoosh. I said, again. And all of a sudden, he rares back for the second time. And before he could get the belt to my rump, he falls to the ground. And he says, Dad, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And he was in full-fledged repentance. You know, I didn't care whether he was punished I want him to come to the place of turning. The Father God doesn't care really about the punishment. He wants to correct the situation that you might turn and move to the place of not doing it again.
because the Father, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you good gifts. He doesn't punish you for the sake of punishing you, but that you might move toward Him. Let's look at this quickly. Luke 12, 32. I'm going to quickly run through this because I'm running out of time. But I want you to, this verse, I want you to really just, this is the verse you need to meditate on. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, this good pleasure, there's a Greek word here of good pleasure. It means that he does, he, he does gladly. I mean, it's not begrudging him to give the Father to give to you. He does gladly his good will. He's doing this with fullness of joy. You know, when I give stuff to my children, it's, I have such pleasure in doing that. Honestly, it is such a great thing. Uh, Seth is actually getting married now. He's no longer the nine-year-old kid that, that, that's, that's whooping his dad. But he's a, he's a strong, good man that's taking a wife. A good wife. And I, I stand there, there. There was things that, you know, this, while we were here. I mean, let me back up quickly. You know, I have you to know that... that the second day, third day of my journey, out anonymously, nobody knowing it, there was a large sum of money put in my bank account. And I'm going, what was that? After Belinda, I said, that was Belinda. That was all Belinda. Somebody put money in my bank account. And I don't know who, I have no clue who it was. And I'm going, that is crazy. God, and so we had extra money. So we took some of our money and bought Seth and Amanda their first couch. <laughs> Living room sofa. And, you know, we're blending. I said, I love it. We, we get to lay claim in their, their living room all our day. <laughs> until they get rid of it. <laughs> but, you know. It's so it's such so good to give. Don't you love to give? And you really, I'm telling you, you guys need to have babies. They're so awesome. You need to get married, have babies. I'm telling you what, when you it changes things in it, when you capture that father heart. I mean, I see it on the couple back there. They were so awesome. Yeah, bless that guy back there. He wants more, more. And, uh, <laughs> but but it, here, this word is it's. It's his nature. Listen, it is in the very core nature of the living God to do good. And he takes pleasure in doing it. It's not camouflage. He does not have, you don't have to, he doesn't have an alternative motive in the place of doing good to you. And so most time when we see people do something good to us, we say, well, what did they really want? But that's not God. God has no alternative motive. It is to do good. And you and I can take confidence that He has pleasure to do good to you and I. No obligation. No duty. But pleasure. Then you look at it. It says here, your Father. 
Oh, man, he's pointing to the father. He says, it's your father's good pleasure. He didn't say your employer. He didn't say your master or even master to a slave or a king, even to a servant. But your father. You know, there, there's some freedom here when we capture the, and understand this word is father. But so often there's people that when they see this word father, they actually turn away from it and don't even look at it because they cannot bear to look at what the father, because they got the wrong understanding of the heart of the father. They've had issues with earthly fathers and they don't like to relate well to the father. And so they just say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to pay attention. You know, I'm fortunate. I got a great papa and you know, he's just grown better as the years go by. My mother is very, she's very sick. And my father at 82 cares for her. And I watch as he cares. I said, Dad, don't you want me to give you some help? He said, no, she's my wife. And I'll love her well all her days. And I'm going, oh, I want to be like that. I want to love well. And I've got a good demonstration of a father, even though he wasn't a Christian all his days. But listen, many dads, you know, they're, sometimes they've been cruel and they've not understood how to be a father. And, and, but, but I want you to know, this is no indication of Father God. It was not His intentions. The enemies cut in and sold you a bad, bad, a bad deal. And but the Father God, He says, I'm so sorry. Look at me a second. Father God, He said, that's not me. I'm sorry that your earthly fathers wasn't good. He said, but you can trust me. He said, I want to bring healing. I want you to know how much I love you and take pleasure in your life. Man, I I rejoice over you. I I dance over you. You're amazing. Just, you know, don't turn away from this passage when it says the Father takes good pleasure. Enter into it. Enter into it. Please enter into it. It's the Father's love. And listen, you know, we, we, Jesus, Jesus, he's, he points to the Father. He said, I don't do nothing but the, what the Father does. I'm all about the Father's business. Don't turn away from the Father. But run to the Father. Jesus makes a statement. We talk about it at IHOP that it. He said, in that day, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. He prophesies that. But let me tell you, he's really talking about the Father's house. When you come into the house of prayer, you're coming into the Father's house. This is all about Jesus pointing to the Father. Please, would you just release your own papas? Release your own fathers. Man, please just forgive them. Release them and allow the Father, allow the Father really to love you, to lavish, lavish good gifts upon you. He's the real deal. He's the real deal. I promise you. I, mean, I, I want to be just like Him. I want to be just like Him. And we all should. Now, what should fatherhood communicate? Quickly. If you're a father, if your father is a king, then you're an heir and you have an inheritance. 
And, uh, you know, this is amazing. God, God the Father King has prepared for His children inheritance. Listen, your Father wants to give you an inheritance. As, a, as an earthly father, man, I want to leave my children something behind. They don't really care, I'm sure. Uh, maybe they do. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it's a place where we want to provide an inheritance. And Father God wants us to step in and take our inheritance. And even now, you need to be saying, hey, I'm a... I'm a king's son. I, I, I have a father in heaven. And, you know, he, he's got an inheritance for you. And uh, God loves it when his children takes hold of his inheritance. The name, listen, the name goes forward as he takes on, as we take on his inheritance. Second, a father should love to nurture and build up his family. Father God. Wants to love and nurture and build you up. You're not in a war. If you'll just surrender. Remember how I took. I mean I didn't want to hurt Seth. I just wanted to. I want him to learn a lesson. Our father loves to encourage and strengthen us. Our father enjoys spending time with his children. And I'm missing my children right now. And I know that when you're away from father God. He misses you. The next part of this verse is this. He says he loves. Let's repeat the whole verse. Let's say it together. Can we say it together? Fear not. Fear little, not. Flock, little flock. For it's your father's good pleasure. For it's your father's good pleasure to, give you the kingdom. to give you the kingdom. The next part is give. You know, he continues. The father. He's a big God. Remember? And boys, we talking about faith. He continues to overflow with good stuff for you and I. I mean, he's so full. It, it, it can't run out. What he has, what the Father has, you'll never go to him. And he doesn't have the love or the ability to help you. He is a overflowing, uh, just full of pleasure to give you the things of the kingdom. He's liberal. He's open-handed, and he loves. Then he talks about, he says, little flock. What is the little flock? Why, he's talking about little flock. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's mixing metaphors here. He's mixing it up. You know, if you're part of a flock, then he's a good shepherd. He's doing what I did to Seth. I was being a good shepherd. If he's a father, then we're sons and daughters. What does it mean that God is a good shepherd? When I hear the word shepherd, I constantly remember Psalms 23. Let me read it quickly. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, the valley, the valley of death. <laughs> I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. Before me in the presence of my enemies. No offense. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, I, I should dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, that's what it means to me to be a shepherd. Does that mean anything to you? John 10, 11, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Was he acting out of character? No, he does this thing freely. He's not out of character giving you good gifts. He gives it to you freely. He says, I'm smiling and rejoicing over my children as I give them free gifts. He's choosing all these words. Jesus is choosing the right words to touch us in an emotional way and to just show the depth of the love of the Father to us. He said, you can count on this. Fear not, little flock. It's It's your Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We could go on talking about this. I encourage you to just press in. This morning, many of you have been battling. (laughs) Glory. I I thought that was somebody's stomach over there. Many of you have been battling with fear. And sometimes it comes to the place of being paralyzed, not even able to get up and walk out your door. Others are maybe not that bad, but it's still there. And the Lord says, can this morning I have the fear? Can I break the power of this and move you to the place of trusting me? For it's my good pleasure to do this. You know, you don't have to fear. I'm going to take care of you. Even though whenever it doesn't all seem to go together, it seems that that people are against you, things are going on. He says, you know, you can trust me. But this morning, this fear, this fear has got you in a place of bondage. You say, but what if? You keep saying, what if? What if? What if he doesn't show up? What if this? And there's this fear. God says, Can I have your fear this morning? Can I have your fear? I want to invite you to stand. Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, just come right now over this beautiful group of people. If you're battling with that fear, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want you to confess it before God. Just raise your hand. Yes, just raise it up. Just raise it up. Even as you're raising your head, as you're raising your hand, many of the fears just breaking off right now. Just breaking off right now. 
Breaking off right now. Breaking off right now. Break the... Come, Lord. All through the room. Break the power of this fear. As they're confessing their fear. Break it off right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All through the room. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. It's your Father's good pleasure. He's just moving right now through you. Releasing the Father's love. In kindness. Breaking off the fear. In the name of Jesus. We break the power of fear. In the Father's love. In the name of the Son. In the name of Jesus. Come Lord. Break the power of fear. Break it off. Break it off. Break it off. Break it off. Break it off right now. All through the room. Come Lord. Come Lord. Come Lord. Come Lord. Some of it some of it is is actually a spirit of fear. That's even come on you as a as a child. Just we're gonna address that right now. In the name of Jesus, we loosen the spirit of fear off. In the name of Jesus. We break it now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say fear. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone. No more fear. No more fear. Holy Spirit. Turn our fears into faith. Turn our fears. Those things that we're dreading. Break at the power of it now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No more fear. 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 Be broken. Be broken. Be broken. Be broken. Be broken. Be broken. In Jesus' name. Break it, Lord. Break it, Lord. Break it. Layer by layer. There's layers of fear coming off. There's layers of fear. One layer has the other layer bound. Come off. Layer by layer. Layer by layer. Layer by layer. Come off. Come off. Come off. I break the power of the fear of man in the name of Jesus. I break break the power of lack of provisions. Father God, release provisions to your children. Release provisions to your children. I break the power 
of the fear of not being able to respond in the place of persecution or even in public areas. I break that. I declare over you that the Lord gave you a spirit of boldness, not intimidation. Paul said, I did not give you, the Father did not give you a spirit of fear, but He gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Receive power, love, and a sound mind. I break the power of this fear that the Father doesn't want to do good to us. We release our earthly papas. We forgive our earthly papas. We release them now in Jesus' name. And we receive today the Father's blessings. We receive freely as He rejoices, giving us the Father's blessings. And we rejoice because we're His children. And He is an inheritance of joy for us. And we receive it. We receive it now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father God. Would you release in here joy? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Even if stuff is gone, every stuff is taken off. Would you, would you place back in its place and even more, just a fullness of Holy Spirit? Fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us. Fill us. Fill us. And I say joy forevermore from the Father's house. From the Father's house. From the Father's house. Joy forevermore upon His children. You know, I, I really believe. I've been really meditating on this scripture. Just this verse 32. I, 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 there's no telling how many times I've read it. No, I've spoke it. I believe it. But I think you, I think one of the challenges going forward, you need to read it. You need to read it out loud. You need to declare it. You need to believe it. You need to take it as your own. And I believe as you grab a hold of this, you know, I, I would just, I would make it one of my, my motifs, my, one, of my, one of my words. Oh, the Word says, Fear not, little flock, for it's your papa's, it's your father's good pleasure. To give you the kingdom. Oh, just...
take that in. Just grab a hold of that. Stand on that. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's the word that you can repeat back to Satan. When he starts accusing you, you say, wait a minute. You just do what Jesus did. When Jesus repeated the words back, you got a word now. You know, we have to do battle with the word of God. You got a word now. When the enemy comes in and he says, God doesn't hear me. He doesn't like me. He doesn't want these things. I can't do this. All this fear. I don't know what's going to take place. I'm going to die. Da, da, da. He said, Satan, get behind me. For the word says, for the word says, fear not. Fear not. Little flock. First, my Papa's good pleasure to give me his kingdom. I'll stand on that. I'll stand on his word. I'll stand here. Leave me. You know, I find it interesting. Both in the book of Peter and James. He says, the, Paul, uh, Peter and James both says, and Paul says it somewhere too. He says, when you have that temptation, you have the evil coming against you. He says, take a stand. Don't run. Take a stand. And as you stand in faith, it says the enemy will flee. I mean, this is, this is dealing with fear. When the fear comes on, say, no, I'm not going to fear. I'm going to look you right in the face. Because the word says, fear not, little flock. For it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I take that. I believe that. So get out of here, Satan. Get out of here. Get out of here. I really believe this morning that you are so precious. You're so special. And that God has got so much for you. And this morning, I think He really wants you to grab this Word. And you put it in your arsenal. Make it a part of your life. You know, He really is after us having this faith. And I believe if you got this there, you got confidence in the Father heart for you, man, you are unstoppable. You'll, you'll move things throughout this city and the nations. Why, Victor, they'll even move things in Brazil. <laughs> oh! You, you have a lot going for you. You know this. You stand. You fight the good fight. Use the word of God. Go for this thing. Don't back up. He didn't give you no fear. He gave you power. He gave you power, girl. He gave you love and a sound mind. Take that. Don't back up.